Hello, my name's Stephen Morris and welcome to Songs in the Key Of, a podcast about songs. These might be old songs, new songs or middle-aged songs, anything that takes my fancy really. Sometimes these shows will be themed around an idea, a person, a genre or some other concept. Other times they will simply reflect my latest obsessions, my new favourite bands, those songs I can't get out of my head. So, here goes. It's been a little bit hot lately, making activities like working, sleeping and wearing a face mask in a shop pretty unbearable, even if all entirely necessary. And when the heat gets turned up a notch or two, my mind tends towards one of two options musically. On the one hand, there's the arid, dry, heat-made sound on Calexico's third album, Hot Rail. On the other hand, there's the whole world of funk and soul. More on the funk and soul in a bit, but let's keep with Calexico for the time being. Calexico are one of those bands I regularly check in on to see they haven't gone releasing any albums without my knowledge recently. Fortunately, things seem to be all in order at the moment. Their last release was last year's joint effort with Iron and Wine, Years to Burn. And I've got that one. Anyway, I digress. The Ballad of Cable Hogue shares its name with a Sam Peckinpah movie about a gold prospector trying to make ends meet as the frontier spirit of the Wild West is slowly crumbling away. The Calexico song isn't a complete retelling of the film. It focuses more on the relationship between Cable and a prostitute and how she betrays him. It's an intensely evocative song, the twang of the guitar, the mariachi brass, Marianne Dessard's French vocals, the wheezing accordion. It all makes for an uncomfortable feeling of heat and dust and decay. I think this could be one of my favourite songs in the whole world. She promised me she would be there when I'd And now to the world of funk and soul, more specifically Northern Soul. Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons of the Night is, well, it's beyond words, isn't it? It's got everything you could possibly need out of a song. That filthy, dirty bass, the organ, the harmonies, the passion. Close your eyes and you'll get transported into another world entirely. And given the world we're in is pretty rubbish right now, that's no bad thing at all. ago I went on a little bit of an online splurge by CDs. If you heard my inaugural entry into the world of podcasting, you'll have already heard about one of those purchases, Erland and the Carnival's album Nightingale. But together with that, I got hold of an album by a band called Goat. It's called Requiem, and it's their third outing. 
GOAT are based in Gothenburg, Sweden, but if their own self-publicity is to be believed, they come from a small village called Corpelombolo. The story goes that a witch doctor visited the village in the 1500s, teaching the locals about voodoo. The area was subsequently burned to the ground by Christian crusaders. All of this goes a long way towards explaining the heavy influence of African music on Requiem. I have mixed feelings about the idea of European people appropriating the sounds of Africa. It's a discomfort born out of hearing Paul Simon's Graceland and Damon Albarn's projects involving the music of Mali and the Democratic Republic of Congo. Call me a well-meaning liberal, but I do find something vaguely disturbing about it like music of black origin is being made more palatable to white audiences by having a white endorsement, a person with more fear melanin on the front cover. Then again, I could be completely overthinking this. What swings it for me is that tunes like Trouble in the Streets, which we're about to hear, are made with something that sounds like nothing other than pure, unadulterated affection, rather than affectation. Whatever my qualms about cultural imperialism and the much loathed notion of the white man's burden, trouble in the streets sounds like nothing other than a connection with a life force where passion and creativity and emotion dance with one another in a glorious blur. week one of the songs I talked about was by The Dentists, a band from Medway which is where I've lived for the last 12 years. As it happens in the last couple of weeks someone else whose roots lie in the Medway area has recently released an album. His name or rather his pseudonym is Lupin Crook. Lupin Crook first began releasing records in 2007 with his album Accidents Occur While Sleeping. He has a frenetic spectacular imagination which he's forever trying to rein in. That's the story of Lupin Crook and his project in a nutshell. After his album British Folk Tales, the intention had been to go back to basics, forming a new band called The Parade, using what he described to me as Christian chords. The result was anything but. The Parade soon morphed into the Lost Film Foundation, whose music was as layered and textured and rich as everything I suspect he was trying to get away from. Their only album, The Big Light, may have sounded like it had been recorded in a deconsecrated church, but that's as close to Christian chords as it got. The follow-up project, Sex Cells, was the absolute definition of an art project, experimental, gleefully weird and absolutely wonderful, with synths very much in evidence. And now Luke and Crook is back with a new album, How Rotten the Teeth. To be honest, this release does represent a more stripped-back, reined-in side to the singer-songwriter. It was created during the lockdown, so it's still very, very fresh. For this podcast, I've selected the fifth track, Magdalene, which is particularly tender and beautiful, I think. It's the story of a visitation of a messianic figure, unwelcome to many, of course, unless there's some money to make it from it. The twist being, this messiah goes by the name of Magdalene. The faith man looked shaken, he dropped down upon his knees. 
try to hide amongst the shadows, but the light crept up on him and said, Fear not, my brother, I am here to set you free. Now rise for your sister, my name, my name is be pleased to hear that my fascination with late 90s indie carries on apace. This week's brief obsession has come in the form of Manson's three albums, Attack of the Grey Lantern, Six and Little Kicks. Manson liked their music on the sprawly side, long drawn out instrumentals, protracted arrangements and rearrangements. There was an earnestness to their music which obviously appealed to the sick former I was when the band were at their, albeit limited, peak. The song of theirs that really sticks out at the moment for me is Wide Open Space from their first album, where all the above is in plentiful supply. There's earnestness by the bucket load, that typical young band trope of still not having found what you're looking for. But what I love about this song is the way the harmonies are continuously played with, from straightforward la-la-la backing vocals through to menacing popping baritones and eerily descending keyboards. It's all about layers, one harmony being added to another, to another, to another. In the 90s, we didn't have a new release from King Crimson to get all excited about, but we did have Manson, and I suppose that wasn't such a bad thing. up on this from one of my earlier picks from this podcast but I do love a bit of the Nordic. I've already been to Sweden and Iceland both of which I felt an amazing connection with and it will make it my life's mission to ensure that at some point I visit Finland, Norway and Denmark. Those countries are particularly striking for the amount of art they churn out. There's probably a podcast or two that could be devoted to the subject In fact, I suspect there's much more that could be done. An Icelandic band that has caught my attention lately is the wonderfully named Fufani, which sounds like something out of Shooting Stars. Their album, Sports, bristles with a restrained energy. It's heavily indebted to Joy Division, of course. That can be of no doubt. But there's still enough imagination in there to show that they're no tribute act. Take the opening title track, for example. There's hints in here not just of post-punk Mancunianisms, but also craft work. It's ever so slightly spellbinding. I mentioned a trip to Rochester's Oxfam 
which turned up a copy of the Geeky CD in the history of Geeky CDs, electronic music. Well, that wasn't the only thing I picked up that day. There was also William Orbit's Pieces in a Modern Style, a collection of classical pieces all reinterpreted and reimagined, courtesy of William Orbit and his enormous computer. For the most part, I'm not really a fan. At the time of its release in 2000, it was briefly on my wish list, mainly because William Orbit had produced Blur's album 13, and boy did I love Blur. But I clearly didn't love Blur quite enough to attend to this particular aspect of completionism. I think the problem is that Pieces in a Modern Style is showing its age. Much of it sounds like the noodlings of a GCSE student hoping, in a rather misguided fashion, to wow his music teacher. And the washed out synthetic sound really begins to pall after a while. For someone who enjoys the glitchy sound of John Hopkins, Rival Consoles and Max Cooper, this offering from William Orbit just sounds a bit bland and anemic for my liking. And that's before we've even ventured into a comparison with the frankly incomparable Hannah Peel and her Mary Cassio journey into Cassiopeia. There are some saving graces though, particularly when Orbit entertains the more modern end of the classical spectrum. His take on Henrik Gorecki's piece in the old style number one certainly has enough brooding menace and dissonance in it to keep your attention. When my daughter was born, I went through a phase of trying to accumulate as much child-friendly music as I could, by which of course I don't mean collections of nursery rhymes and stuff children actually like. This was more of a vanity project, finding music by artists I already liked in the first place, who had found it prudent to contribute to an album of kids' music. I already had Colours Are Brighter, of course I did, Half Man Half Biscuit had contributed a song to it as had Catherine Williams and the Divine Comedy. But I soon decided that what I really needed to make my daughter's life complete was an album called Songs for the Young at Heart. Whatever you may think of my motives for such a purchase, you can't deny that Songs for the Young at Heart is a thing of beauty. It's packaged in the form of a board book, the kind of format you'll remember from your own childhood reading of The Tiger Who Came to Tea. Inside, there's an illustrated reproduction of The Lion and Albert, which is read on the album itself by Jarvis Cocker, with the kind of warmth that only Jarvis Cocker can bring to the occasion. But the song I want to bring to you today is Lamb Chop's Kurt Wagner and his interpretation of Inchworm. Kurt Wagner's deep, resonant voice will have you melt at the best of times, but there's something even more sumptuous about him singing a children's classic like this. By the time he's through, I promise you, you'll be a blubbering mess.
strange world, measuring the miracles you and your arithmetic, you'll probably go far. Back in 1976, Tom Waits released an album called Small Change. On it, there was a song called Step Right Up, and it's a slice of jazzy, satirical, scatty magnificence. Here is the sum total of the premise of the song. It's every single salesman's cliché ever uttered. Here's some snippets of the lyrics. Follow these easy-to-assemble instructions. It never needs ironing. It gives you an erection. It wins you the election. And best of all, the large print giveth, and the small print taketh away. Step right up. That's right, if a lazy chops, dies and slices, never stops. Lasts a lifetime, mows your lawn. And then mows your lawn, and it picks up the kids from school. It gets rid of unwanted facial hair. It gets rid of embarrassing age spots. It delivers a pizza. And it lengthens, and it strengthens. And it finds that slipper that's been at large under the chase lounge for several weeks. And it plays a mean rhythm master. It makes excuses for unwanted lipstick on your collar. I often need music to work to. Sitting at my desk, which is, of course, these days at home, I'll often need something pulsing through my ears to help me get through the day. But lately I've found that the regular familiar sound of songs and coherent melodies doesn't quite do the trick. And so I've been turning lately to more experimental sounds, usually via the medium of Spotify. One artist that's appeared with striking regularity during my odyssey through the weird world of the experimental is the delightfully named Puce Mary, who specialises in all manner of white noise and vaguely disturbed samples of speech. Maybe it's these very unusual lockdown times in which we're living but I find the whole thing seems to match my experience of 2020 very well. This is a track called To Possess Is To Be In Control. Enjoy it, if you can. It makes me weak to watch you gaze at the wall with no expression on your face, like a puppet. It makes me weak to watch you gaze at the world like there's nothing left. It makes me sick to open my body to you, to give you all I have. And so that's it for this second foray into podcasting. I hope it wasn't too painful. Come back soon. If you want to catch up with me and share your thoughts about this week's selections, tweet me on at Reviewage. Perhaps you'd like to share with the group what odd things you've been drawn towards during lockdown. In the meantime, have a fabulous few days and nights till our paths cross again. Seems to me you'd stop and see how beautiful